Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log on to your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through. While giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. It's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform. And the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. 
go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And we're excited to be back with you guys again. Um, we had a great couple episodes and got some good feedback and also had a couple requests. So today is going to be a requested episode. Um, we've gotten like a bunch of times. And I know we've probably talked about this um, throughout each podcast we've had, but not as in-depth probably. But a lot of people just wanted us to kind of talk more about what it looks like to overthink and ruminate and when, like what to do when that happens. And is anxiety always connected to overthinking or is there a way, you know, you can not really be struggling with anxiety, but still overthink things or what it looks like. And I think it's different for everybody, but I think this is definitely a topic that everyone could relate to. You know, yeah, one hundred percent. I think everybody with anxiety has overthought before, right? <laughs> I'm. If if you're listening and you haven't and you've had anxiety, I would love to talk to you because yes, I don't think I've a little ever... curious why you're listening. <laughs> yes, yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's definitely not there are people I have not met and and you know people I work with in my practice that you know they struggle with with bad anxiety and overthinking is probably one of their worst symptoms their thoughts just spiraling and ruminating um and i think it's i think something that's really hard for people to grasp when they do have anxiety is that we have like thousands and thousands of thoughts every day so we're just like jumping right into the topic you guys um we have thousands of thoughts a day, right? Like, I don't know. I, I think I read somewhere over, you know, like 40,000 thoughts a day or something. Some of them are in our conscious. Some of them are in our subconscious. And you just, that concept is like, oh my gosh, that's how many thoughts we have every day. And when you have anxiety, so many of those thoughts are very irrational and intrusive. Absolutely. So, of course you're <laughs> of course you're going to struggle with like overthinking. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm curious, what what type, like what does overthinking look like for you, Taylor? I literally, and, I literally was just thinking of asking you that. Uh, I'll for, go through For mine me, too. it was definitely, I mean, it obviously always is more health related. So it's like you feel a little twinge or something, right? Or like a little thing. I saw this like TikTok the other day and it was like normal people, they feel odd things in their body like we're like even my husband said this to me the other day he was like human he was like human beings have weird feelings in their body sometimes it we're, we're not perfect we're human beings our bodies adjust all the time right but someone with health anxiety they feel it and then they are like oh what was that and then it kind of like the thought starts a little hamster wheel if you really think about it when you feel that symptom, do you ever really stop thinking about it when you have like health anxiety? No, a lot of times you yeah. don't. So I think it's like catching yourself in that hamster wheel because if you don't, then it then it's like the hamster wheel and then it's like, well, maybe I'll just Google it real quick just to see. And then it's oh, like- Oh gosh, no, don't do you know, that. Yeah, but you know, like that, <laughs> that, that's the cycle. So it's like, it starts for me normally with like a feeling of something. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so yours is, is pretty specific to your health, which I think there's probably a lot of people that can relate to that, especially at this point with the pandemic and everything that's been going on. Um, but I want to explain a little bit about what rumination is too and overthinking because a rumin, I, if you've heard the word rumination, you know, people do use it. Some people might not have heard of what that means. And I mean, it's essentially just a debilitating type of overthinking, but I'm going to, I'm going to just educate a little bit on it. Um, and, but essentially it's the process of continuously thinking about the same thoughts, which tend to be sad or dark um, or, you know, fearful. So it's this like continuous loop. So I feel like that's very similar to overthinking, right? This like just continuous spiral of thoughts. And I mean, it can pretty it can be pretty dangerous to mental health and it can, you know, intensify a lot of different types of mental disorders like anxiety and depression, for sure, um, can impair your ability to think and process emotions and it can cause you to feel isolated and really push people away. So that's kind of the sense of how it can be more debilitating. You know, some people use the word, not rumination, but they use the word overthinking, which I feel like they're very similar in the sense. It's like, oh my gosh, I overthink everything. Yeah. But it can really be debilitating, which Mm -hmm. I think leads to. It 100% was for me. Like you almost like lose, well, at one point, obviously not now, but you almost lose, uh, like I'm a very empathetic person where I really care about like how people feel. But in that moment, it was like I was so convinced that things were so wrong and I was so down such a dark path in my mind that I almost lost feeling for how other people, how I was making other people feel around me. Yes. Well, and I, I can, you know, I can, you know, I can, uh, I just want to say that that's valid, right? That you're feeling that and, or that you had felt that because it can be a really scary feeling of what you're going through. And sometimes- You're so convinced. Yes, yes. And, you know, when we have these really intense spirals, you sort of disassociate. So you don't even feel like you're in reality. So how are you supposed Mm -hmm. to really even care about what's going on in your surroundings or other people when you just are so scared? You're in this like bubble of fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. But there's actually a different – there's a couple different causes of rumination and overthinking. And um, I read an article from Healthline, so I'm kind of picking from this article, which I loved because it really explains it well. Um, And the American Psychological Association kind of commented too about this because, like we said, I mean, this is what can cause these spirals. So we want to kind of teach you how to get out of them or how to sort of – I feel like with overthinking or ruminating – a lot of the healing has to do with like catching you catching yourself doing the thinking like in the moment. You know, it's it's like you don't want to get too deep in the spiral because that's when it's so hard to get out of it. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? So we'll we'll kind of talk about how to break out of it before it gets bad. Um, but a lot of people ruminate for a lot of reasons. So some of the common reasons are belief that by ruminating you'll gain insight into your life or a problem. Um, having a history of emotional or physical trauma and facing ongoing stressors that can't be controlled. So control is a huge part of it, just like with anxiety, right? Like feeling out of control makes your anxiety completely spike, right? Yeah. And so absolutely. all of these are are totally connected. 
Um, and then it says ruminating is common in people who possess certain personality characteristics, which include perfectionism, neuroticism, and an excessive focus on one's relationship with others. Wow. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the perfectionism thing. It's all thing, connected. I, yeah, I totally get um, I feel like everything with me is like connected to just control. Like even like when you think about death, like it's not so much that I fear death. It's almost just like the control of death, like how I will die. Like, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like wanting to know how it'll happen. Like I need control of like the situations at hand. Do you know what I mean? Everything yes. loops back to some type of control. And I think that I think that's probably, you know, part of your um, thought patterns too. Uh-huh. Right. So, and, and that's, you know, that's similar for me too. I have health things just like you. I think my anxiety definitely stems from health related, also death a little bit, but um, for me, it's also a little bit social and, and uh, you know, I have, I think the health thing is big because I have pretty bad stomach issues, but, um, and just, you know, I think with a lot of people with anxiety, just thoughts, ruminating thoughts about the future and not knowing about the future. I'm wanting to control so much about what's going to happen, right? Um, Absolutely. So I have these six steps that it says to take when you when you feel like you get constantly get stuck in these patterns, right? So, okay, like you yes. said, number one, notice when you're stuck in your head. So, how do you catch when you're stuck in your head? Like, what does that look like? Okay, so it takes practice. It takes a lot of practice. And I I will be the like, first do one. Do you remember the first time? No. No, because uh, to be honest, and this is what a lot of my clients tell me too, and a lot of people I talk to that have these spirals, um, it, it is – I don't remember the first time, but I do know with my healing journey the past like 15 years, I've had days that were like – I was in a spiral for like two, three days. I were day, there was a time I was in a spiral for two weeks. Um, and there was times when I was in a spiral for two minutes. And I, I, I feel like I know how to manage. I know how to catch myself a little bit better because I'm more self-aware of my thoughts. So cognitive behavioral therapy helped me a lot with that. Um, a lot of journaling and becoming aware of my irrational thought patterns and what types of thoughts in my brain are most intrusive and kind of just keeping a visual <laughs> um, example of me journaling my thoughts and doing just like a brain dump, I call it, kind of getting just all of my thoughts out of my brain and looking and looking at patterns. Like when was I feeling and trying to identify emotions too in that moment? You know, was I feeling lonely? Was I feeling scared? Was I worried or sad? Like what was going on in my life at that time? And right. so a lot of that comes with like the self-awareness piece, being able to be aware of my thoughts and aware of also what my triggers are now. I can kind of identify a little bit better. Okay. I know that this is going to be maybe a tough day for me. Sometimes they come out of nowhere and it's really hard to break out of it. But I still, the one thing that really helps me when it comes to like overthinking is knowing that I've been through that before and that it's going to be temporary. Right. That I'll have good days and I'll have bad days. I just had a bunch of really bad days. I've been doing better. And then I literally just got the stomach flu and I was getting into like a really bad space in my mind again because when I feel physically sick, I mentally like feel depressed and anxious. Mm -hmm. But I'm still like I know I need to kind of 
try and live my life. I wasn't so debilitated. I didn't need to go to the hospital. I just told myself I need to, I will give myself some grace. Um, I had to cancel a couple things. I didn't feel bad about it. I just said, I have to do this. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm just compassionate with myself a little more, but I think, yeah, not to kind of like go, go off the deep end with what you said, but I think initially being able to kind of distract myself also is really helpful. So yeah, that, that kind of leads into number two. It says, keep the focus on problem solving. So for me, that looks like with health, okay, I can't control how things might turn out, right? Completely, I can't. Like, I got to let go of that. So what can I do right now that can prevent all these things I'm so afraid of and all these things that I focus on so much and all these things that I obsess over, all these health issues, right? So the things I can do, I focus on how my lifestyle is, how I eat, how I exercise, how I take care of my body, how I take care of my mind. So when I know I'm doing all of that, I literally have like a thought process in my mind that is like, you are doing all you can and that is all you can do. And when I feel that way, I kind of like give up power because it's like, okay, I've done all I can do. Like sitting here and thinking about it isn't going to change what I can't control. Totally. Totally. And I I love this. step. It's sort of like an action step, right? And I'm all yeah. about action steps. So, you know, not everyone will believe that this is, you know, the way to heal. It's everyone's anxiety looks different. Everyone's healing looks different. But from what I've seen, not only within myself, but in my practice and a lot of other people that have, you know, really started managing their anxiety better. Um, this type of, a- these types of action steps can be so healing in the moment. So like distraction is not a long-term solution. Of course mm-hmm. it's not right. But in those moments, especially for you that struggle with panic disorder, I think anyone that feels really dysregulated in their body physically distraction can actually be really effective in those moments. And in in a way of, you know, that's why I think the five senses exercise, like focusing on your surroundings and and talking about what you see, what you um, can feel, what you can hear in that moment, kind of like really addressing where you are in your environment when you're feeling panicky can bring you back to that present moment and can make you feel like, okay, and not as disassociated anymore, right? Not, not, experience that depersonalization or derealization. And essentially that grounding technique is a distraction technique, mm-hmm. right? But there's so many other types of distraction techniques that, that can be helpful for someone. Just like I talk about in my book, The Anxiety Healer's Guide, I, you know, all of chapter nine is dedicated to creating your own healing toolkit. After reading the first eight chapters and practicing those exercises and those techniques, you figure out what your healing toolkit looks like. And you have like a number of different tools and strategies to choose from. And so those can be some great, there's a whole chapter on distraction ideas in my book also. Um, And, and I think that, you know, for me, one of the biggest distraction, like action steps I take for myself when I know I'm getting into it is going outside and literally breathing in nature and walking. Even if it's freezing, I've done it. Even if it's raining, I've done it. And I've put on a like even and if you can't walk outside, somehow get outside, put like an umbrella on you, whatever it can take, and just for five to ten minutes, even five minutes, breathe in the air. And just and just really look at your surroundings and your senses. So I think being like 
also calling a friend or family member, maybe like doing some chores around your house, like getting up and doing some things around your house. Sometimes doing art is really cathartic for people, like drawing a picture or doing those coloring books um, or reading a book, stuff like that. Um, I have like hundreds of distraction ideas in my book. You can go to the show notes and click if you want to order. But yeah, I feel like that, especially when I know I'm so in my head and I can physically, I can feel that I need to get up and I need to do something. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay. Now, number three, challenge your thoughts. So before Mm. you like start, you know, going down that path of believing your thoughts are actual facts, right? I always do that. I used to always be like, okay, this is a fact. If I'm thinking it, it's a fact. But rather like going through the thoughts and being like, is this a fact or is this a thought? And if this is a thought, I'm going to watch it go away like a cloud because it's just a thought. And like you said, we have so many thoughts a day. It's just another thought that you don't overthink. Like I don't wake up and I have a thought like, like, let me think of a thought I have when I wake up. Um, uh, what's a, what's a thought I have when I wake up? Like, I wonder if it's sunny or cloudy out, you know, like something mm-hmm. like that. And I don't obsess over it. I go check and then I'm done, right? I don't yeah. think about it again. So it's kind of like recognizing that these are all just thoughts, but they might be a little more scarier to you because it's a thought that triggers something within you. But recognizing it's still a thought, it's not a fact. Until it's a fact, you're not allowed to obsess over it. Well, so I think, you know, that's a really good point is to look at our cognition and I mean, I specialize in in looking at cognitive um, therapy. You know, I do cognitive therapy, so I, I specialize in that. And I, um, you know, the brain is a very powerful muscle, right? The more that you think about something, the louder it's going to be, and you're going to believe it. Which is why affirmations actually work. A lot of people feel like they don't because I don't think they're actually doing it the way that they need to be doing it, um, or maybe they're not. Um, anyway, that can be a whole episode two affirmations, but Louise Hay, she's like the queen of affirmations. You guys Google Louise Hay and she has a book of affirmations. She teaches you how to actually make them, um, real in your mind and how to use them effectively. But that is part of rewiring the way that you think, you know, like there's coping statements, there's certain affirmations, um, our thoughts, our anxious thoughts make us want to believe that everything is scary and that all of the things we're thinking are going to come true. So I think when you say stating the facts, it's sort of like questioning your thoughts a little bit, right? Like, What evidence do you have that this is true? What, yes. what evidence do you have that this isn't true? Like you really have mm-hmm. to ask yourself that because I think you'll even get like, oh crap, like I'm calling myself out. When you're like, what's the evidence that it's true? And you're like, oh, wow, like I really don't have any. Right. Oh, my gosh. I had I had to ask myself that probably still every single day when I'm with my boyfriend because I have such an anxious attachment. And I think he's going to like leave me every – I mean, that's subsided a lot. But, you know, in the beginning, like all of this fear about like abandonment and that I'm just not good enough and like, oh, my gosh, it's never going to work. Just all these like automatic intrusive negative thoughts. But I always was like, well, what's the evidence? Like I don't have any. He's – such he's a good person. He's treating me a certain way. He's making me a priority. You know, we're just not a traditional relationship right now. You know, like he has a son. We just don't have the time we would if we were together 10 years ago. So there's a lot of rationalization you have to do for yourself 
in those moments. But it is very hard to do that, which is why I think CBT is very, very effective for a lot of people. So definitely, if you feel like you need a little bit more help in this realm, um, you know, try and maybe look for a professional or someone who specializes in CBT or some another therapist. But I like that one. Awesome. Yeah. And then the the next one is, I love this one. A lot of people who follow me say that they do this and it really helps, but schedule time for reflection. So a lot of people said they schedule worry time. So like they're yes. like, okay, I'm not allowed to worry until like 2 p.m. And then I give myself 10 to 15 to, or 10 to 20 minutes for my thinking time. And this is the time I can sit down. I can literally have any thought I want and I can think about it. But when it's over, I can't think about it anymore. And so I think that's really cool. I actually have never done that. And I think I think that's something that's interesting. I love that. That's actually a tool that um, that I think a lot of psychologists have used for like decades. Like that is one tool that I feel like has always resonated with me even since I started practicing therapy and on my own and studying it is that there was this concept of worry time. And do you know who actually that's really effective for too? Kids really, really good with kids who who struggle with anxiety or who worry, giving them a time. And a lot of times with kids and adults can do this too. They'll come up with like a worry, something that obviously we have a lot of thoughts every day, but sometimes there's these like one or two things that we're thinking about every day that is just really loud in our brain, right? Like, um, oh my gosh, like he's going to leave me. I can't believe that. Like he's going to leave me. I'm going to be alone. This is like, I'm just saying myself, like what it would be right in the beginning of a relationship. A lot of times I'll have kids, I'll tell parents, like have your child write down that worry in that moment and then stick it in a worry box. And then when worry time starts from like seven to seven thirty, they can take all that out and just start thinking about all those worries that they wrote down. And then they, you know, at seven thirty, it's like, all right, put them back in the box. Hmm. So it can be just, it's a really good way of kind of compartmentalizing your brain. And sometimes it's hard for people with anxiety. So I love that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I've never done that before. I needed to try that. Um, and then the next one is learn mindfulness skills. So I feel like this is like back to kind of what you were saying before, but not really much so distraction, but actually using your techniques and your skills. So like things that help you such as like meditation or like doing some yoga or some deep breathing or taking a walk outside. Not 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 so much like distracting yourself, but actually working on bringing down the anxiety. Mm, yes. Like, so, like not going to like watch a TV show but to like distract yourself, but rather like actually working on yourself. Yes. Yes. And so that's a good distinction to make, right? Like the distraction ideas, like I said, and and this could be different for a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> but when you're in very a very heightened state and you can feel these physical symptoms starting and you feel like you can't do anything to get out of your head, I think distraction can be effective right then. But as time goes on, you know, the longer type of healing effects, like mindfulness, mindfulness um, exercises and strategies, they're going to be the things that are really going to be helpful in helping balance your nervous system and regulate your nervous system in general, not just at those heightened times, mm -hmm. you know, which is why a lot of the exercises and strategies I talk about in my book are very much, um, I want you to practice these types of tools 
when you're at a level two, like when you're not even feeling anxious. So you get into the habit of practicing breath work and practicing, um, you know, these grounding exercises um, and visualization exercises and meditations. You know, all of those types is all of those types of exercises are like kind of lifestyle changes that you you want to make in order to regulate your nervous system and really quiet your brain. Because what it comes down to when I tell my clients this, we're never going to take thoughts out of our brain. Like we can't just give you know a lobotomy and be like, here you go. Forget it. You just aren't, you have no thoughts anymore. I mean, that that just is not going to happen. So we need to practice rewiring the way that we think, but also practicing how do we quiet the thoughts that we feel are so loud. And to do that, it's practicing all of those mindfulness techniques. Um, you know, I love, I love meditating. I love Insight Timer. I talk about it all the time. I think guided meditations are where it's at for a lot of people because our brain is so hyperactive that being able to have another voice kind of coach us into thinking differently can be really, really helpful, which is why affirmations are helpful too. Um, and, and just really and then the breath work is so wonderful in regulating um, the nervous system because it activates the parasympathetic part of our nervous system, which is our rest and digest part of our nervous system. So obviously, there's not one tool for everybody, but that's why you have to practice different ways of healing and regulating your nervous system in order to know what fits in your toolkit and my book can teach you that. I keep talking about it, but I just, this topic is so relatable to my book because it's, um, there's, it's essentially what I've done. I wrote it with what I'm teaching about like creating a toolkit was how I literally heal myself. So, um, yes, the mindfulness piece, that's definitely a huge part of it. Awesome. Yeah. So basically that, that step was all about like the mindfulness skill. So just, doing something that is more so focusing on like helping the anxiety rather than just distracting you. So then the last step would be change the channel. So telling your like telling yourself to stop thinking about something will always backfire on you. You're just going to keep thinking about it more. There's literally science behind that. Mm -hmm. um, so when they say change the channel in your brain, change the channel in your brain by changing your activity, exercise, engage in conversation on a completely different subject or work on a project that distracts you. Doing something different will put an end to the negative thoughts by keeping you out of that situation. So basically, if all else felt all else fails, you want to get to that point where you're like, okay, what do I need to do right now to just like get out of this? This is when you're like deep in it, kind of like you said, like you're deep in the thoughts. You've made these thoughts like facts in your head, even though they aren't facts and you need to get out of it. So now you need to change the channel. You need to go distract yourself, like you said, yeah. with like real, real distractive things. So like maybe like putting on a TV show that's distracting or like exercise or something that hanging out with a friend, anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that also goes back to kind of like the action steps, you know, Yep. like, yeah taking action and making a plan. Um, taking, I even say, you know, if you can just take one small step, right? Just one step to take that you take that can that can be one one step closer to healing, right? Not it doesn't need to be these huge, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do a yoga session and then I'm gonna meditate. I know that meditation I love. 
Then I'm going to take a long walk outside. And then, you know, I'll just breathe and maybe I'll call my friend and talk for, I mean, some people just like, okay, you don't have the time one, maybe if you do. Well, no, awesome. they, they even proved, they even proved, uh, I was reading on breath work that when you're first getting into it to not like try and sit there and do 15 minutes of breath work, but to actually do like say a minute here and there throughout the day yeah. leading up to 15 minutes. So like, just like, yeah. okay, like I'm feeling like I'm overthinking my thoughts right now. I'm going to take a minute for myself and I'm going to focus on my breath work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get six breaths in this minute where I normally get 15 to 16, you know, like, yeah. like slowing that down, say, like making it a goal. Like, cause I think a lot of people are like breath work is hard and like, it's scary. It's like, okay, we'll get six, six breaths in a minute. Try that out. Yeah. I don't think breath work is essentially like how long you do it. Like if you do it for 10 minutes, then your breathing's going to be great. I think it's how you no. do it. Yeah. So breathe, how you breathe is really what you want to learn. Um, yeah. You want to learn how to breathe from your diaphragm and you want to make mm-hmm. sure that when you breathe, your exhales oh, are a, way, a lot longer a way to, than your inhale. A way to help that well, is wait. put your hand – what? Sorry. I just wanted to finish that sentence. Oh, no, no. I was I was hitting on that point you said though. Okay. Uh, like where you said the diaphragm, putting yes. your hand on your belly. I just learned this. And watching your hand go out first rather than your chest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. On your belly. And so it's, yeah. it's called, it. it's basically called belly breathing. If you've seen it somewhere or a lot of people talk about like belly breathing, that's exactly what it is. Um, but you also want to try and make sure that your exhale is longer than your inhale. And if you're breathing from your mouth out, out of your mouth, which is very effective, that your exhale is just longer. So I have something that I, I wrote about called rectangle breathing. Everyone talks about square breathing. Um, but rectangle breathing is breathing in for four and holding your breath for about two seconds and then breathing out for six because rectangles have longer sides, right? So the ex- it's really important in activating your parasympathetic nervous system that your exhale is a little longer than your inhale. That's um, not, isn't that like whiskey breath? Whiskey? I've never heard of whiskey breath. Yeah, it's a type of, bre- no. it's a type of breathing. Let me see. Hang on. Oh, no, I've never heard of that. Wow. Um, yes, but but yeah, the, the exhale can be really effective in just like making sure that that's longer. Um, but yeah, breath work isn't, you know, it's I, it's it's called breath work. And I guess people hear the, the name, the word work, and they're like, oh God, that's, you know, anything that has the word work in it, like, no thanks. But really, it's just practicing how to breathe. Um, it's not like let's sit down. Some people will sit down and it's more of a meditative thing for them at that point where they're sitting down for 10 minutes and they're m- wanting to focus on their breath, but also um, listening to a guided meditation at the same time, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I there is one more um, uh, healing step that I think is, that I think is important too that wasn't on that list. But I think is, you know, we've talked about before and I think could go along with not just overthinking and ruminating, but just with anxiety and mental health issues in general, but working on your own self-esteem, like working on loving yourself and being compassionate with yourself. Um, Because I think when we, when a lot of times overthinking has to do with, you know, all of the things we're scared of, but then also it's for me and for a lot of people I worked with, it's very much 
okay, what's wrong with me now? Like this is happening. Why can't I stop these thoughts? What is wrong with me? Why am I so crazy? Why is this happening to me? You know, like why I'm ruining, I ruin experiences because of this, you know, I'm ruining relationships. Just so many thoughts that are negative about yourself. Being able to really work on self-esteem and loving yourself, um, I think is going to be one of the best things that you can do. And trying to recognize that like there's a lot of judgment that you might have for yourself and you might be scared of, of other people judging you. But essentially when you're scared of other people judging you, you're just judging yourself for things because if you were okay with who you were and you loved who you were, you wouldn't really care what other people thought anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think being able to really work on finding compassion for yourself and just finding ways to love who you are. You know, I talked about Louise Hay earlier. I talked about her in a couple other podcast episodes, but her book, Love Yourself, Heal Your Life, it's a workbook. And then it also comes with a, another book that you can read um, that's connected with it. But it is the book I use with clients and I've used it on my own. And it's just such an amazing way to realize your experiences with your family and how they affected you growing up and how they affected your self-esteem and your belief about yourself. And it it can just give you so much insight on what made you believe these things and how to actually shift the thoughts you have about yourself and make you feel like how you can love yourself despite all these things. And not only just, and love every part of you, right? Like not just love the parts of you that you feel like, okay, yeah, my legs look good today. Or um, yeah, I think I'm a nice person, but also love the parts of you that you are so mean to. Like a lot of people are very mean to themselves about their anxiety. Like I hate myself for my anxiety. I hate this part of me. Why does this exist? Like I hate this. Everyone hates me because of my anxiety. So it's a part of you. It doesn't define you. And you have to sort of give that part of you compassion and nurture. You know, a lot of times that part of you can can be your inner child trying to just really, that's scared. Your inner child is scared and it just needs nurture. And it just needs you to say, I love you and you're safe and it's okay. And so that can really help with self-esteem. So just remember that too. I think that's really important, the self-esteem piece. Yeah, I love that. That's good. I think these are all good tips that people can take and just like try and come back to this. If you feel like you're overthinking, maybe use this as your distraction piece and go back through the steps and see where you're not focusing your attention to and how to get out of it. I think that's all good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and this actually, I feel like helped me just even kind of thinking and talking about it a little bit more. It's just like a good reminder you know, to, for anybody who feels like maybe they need some extra reminders of how to quiet their brain a little bit these days. <laughs> right. Well, good. All right. Well, I love this. I know this was a little shorter than usual, but I feel like we t touched on a lot of really great points and it was a requested episode topic. And so anyone, you know, you have other topics you want to request, um, you can DM Taylor or I. And don't forget to go to um, my Instagram, The Anxiety Healer, and you can check out a lot of good healing tips there and buy my book, The Anxiety Healer's Guide on Amazon. 
and leave us a review for the Anxiety Chicks if you're enjoying this program. And tell her, tell everyone where they can follow you. You can find me at health underscore anxiety and you can DM us at the Anxiety Chicks as well. Did you say that? I don't know if I... Yeah. No, that's good. All right, you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them, all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.